Welcome to This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Now is your chance to get caught up in all that's happening in technology around Akron and the rest of the world. Now here's your host, Gene Destro. Mass layoffs at Twitter, Meta, and other tech companies have been making headlines the past few weeks, causing lots of pain and disruption for employees who have lost their jobs. This, of course, calling to mind many mass layoffs and economic downturns from the past, including the early 2000s when the dot-com bubble burst and the recession that started in 2008. But for those of us here in Northeast Ohio, when we hear layoffs, we think of even worse disruptions starting back in the 80s when the automotive industry, for the most part, packed up shop and moved thousands of good-paying steel, rubber, glass, and other union jobs, first to lower-paying factories down south, then to Mexico, China, and beyond. So I wanted to have a conversation with somebody who's an expert on not just what happens to individuals when they get laid off, but what happens to entire communities when big companies just up and pull the plug. University of Akron Associate Professor of Economics, Amanda Weinstein. When we see these mass layoffs, it tends to have a persistent negative effect on the local economy and on the local labor market. It just has this kind of scarring effect on the community. And so when we see a large layoff in an industry that has been, you know, declining for decades because of globalization and automation, that is a big concern for local community. And we're worried that that kind of negative effect is going to stick around. So in other industries, it might be different, right? So the tech industry, if there's other tech jobs, if there's other programming jobs, if there's other jobs at other social media places like Instagram, right? Instagram's probably going to scoop those people up as much as they can. So then that's maybe less of a worry for the local community if they know there's other kind of companies and other places that will step in and grow their jobs in response, essentially kind of taking some of the market share away from Twitter. And so then on the local community, it's not as big of an issue. Now, one of the kind of interesting wrinkles, and I don't know whether you've ever thought about this or they've done any studies, all these communities often spend lots of money or lose a lot of money in terms of tax revenue because they promise these big employers, many of them tech companies, but they promise them years and years and years of tax abatements if only please come and employ our people. So they're getting this huge public benefit and huge cash really at their bottom line because they don't have to spend it on taxes. Yet and still, then they lay off thousands of people and then there's a real crash in the economy because those income taxes they were hoping all the employees would pay aren't going to happen anymore because they're laid off. That is such an excellent point. So this is what we saw happen in Lordstown, right? So we saw mass layoffs for a company that had been given very large tax breaks from the state of Ohio. And we've seen some of it come back. So we do see some electric vehicles and batteries coming back. But the truth is, if you look at net jobs, right? So when we look at the jobs that we've lost compared to the jobs we've gotten back, we're still at a net loss of thousands of jobs in Lordstown, Ohio. And that's true in communities across Ohio. When you look at over time, right, the net jobs, especially for non-college educated workers in Ohio has been negative. We have only lost jobs with policies like you described. And part of the issue, which you stated very well was, well, that money isn't going to somewhere else. Where is that money coming from? And where is it 
not being spent on. So that money is either coming from taxpayers, which means Ohio families are now paying higher taxes to pay for this, or it's coming out of, for example, our school system. And the research is pretty consistent that spending on our school systems and focusing on education, things that make it just easier to raise a family in Ohio, actually help our economy. So what happens is these tax incentives can actually end up having a negative effect and they can actually crowd out other businesses where when the state picks a winner, picks an industry, picks a company to kind of lavish resources and money on, what they're inherently not doing is giving it to small businesses. And what we can see is those other industries, other companies, you know, can suffer because of it. So as a result of this, can we then reasonably say that people in positions of power in Ohio, legislators, the governor's office, et cetera, ought to maybe take a look at their policies and say, okay, we recognize that you want to attract business, but throwing millions and perhaps uh, billions of dollars in tax incentives their way without necessarily putting a stick at the end of the carrot saying, hey, you know, you can have these if you don't lay off people for 20 years or something like that. Would that be reasonable? Does anybody ever do that? Is that something that people ever think about? So they do try. And so I do know the state of Ohio has come back to some of these companies who have laid off people and said, you're not kind of keeping up your end of the bargain. But the real bigger issue we have to think about right now, especially in the wake of COVID is we have, I mean, we are both talking now from our homes. We have an increasing amount of remote work, not for everyone, but we have those trends were trending up even before COVID happened, this rise of remote work. So what that rise of remote work says is that increasingly people's jobs aren't tied to the place they live. They can live in a lot of different places. And even before the rise of remote work, we saw people increasingly choosing to locate in places where they wanted to live, not where they had to live based on a job. And what we saw is the jobs were following people to the places they wanted to live. So if we want real job growth, what we need to focus on is how do we make this a nice place to live? If we make this a nice place to live, people want to live here and the jobs will follow us. Okay. And I get that. And that sounds wonderful. But one of the ways you make a place nice to live, I know the city of Akron has spent, for example, millions and millions of dollars to make downtown attractive to put the amenities there, to to spruce up the place, to do road work, to encourage people to bring in businesses, et cetera. Well, then, like you said, the bottom fell out of downtown because people started working from home. So when you say the cities or the municipalities or the state or whoever should start making it more attractive, what you're talking about is them spending tax dollars to make it great. On the other hand, you know, where are they going to get the tax dollars if the people all lose their jobs? So it's kind of one of those chicken and egg things, don't you think? It is. So part of what this says is it could be let families decide what they want to see in their cities, right? So if families are spending their money on restaurants, for example, we don't need the government to spend our money on a different industry. We're showing you what we want with how we spend our money as families. And that is a very hands-off approach for a government saying, all right, I am not going to use your tax dollars to try and figure out what our economy needs next or which industry or company I like. I'm going to see where Ohio families spend their money to see what they like and just let those, and typically small businesses, let those small businesses bubble up. If it's restaurants, if it's bars, if it's an indoor play place where I take my kids to, right? Let people decide, let families decide. 
So that can be harder when you have some, you mentioned Akron and Akron downtown. Jason Sagetti, our city planner, like he knows that cities have to be places for people. And Akron has had decades of decisions, which basically took people out of the cities and created a space only for buildings and for jobs. And what we saw in the wake of all of that is a city looks, frankly, it's a city without people. I'm starting to see more people there, but we also have long-term things. Like if you look at 59, that goes through Akron. 59 took out businesses. It took out homes. It took out people from the city. Akron is still seeing the effects of decades and decades of decisions that took people and what people want out of cities. And generally, when we think about cities, yes, they're places for jobs, but they also need to be places for people, where people spend money, where people you know, go in in restaurants, where people go to bars, where people go to shows or whatever they want to do downtown. And so we have to think about cities less as places to work and more as places to be and to consume and to have all the local goods and services that we want. And I can entirely see your point, but as I think about what's going on in the tech industry, okay, a lot of the big tech giants right now, the ones kind of providing basically a software service, let's say it's Twitter or it's Facebook or something like that. Now let's come back to the state of Ohio and think of the billions of dollars in tax incentives that the state just promised to Intel, right? Because they're going to build this huge plant and maybe even they say over the next 20 years, 10 more plants. And it's not a software play in that instance. This is actually jobs for people who are going to use their hands to make stuff, which is what Ohio has been known for for a very long time, and which, as we said, in Lordstown, Akron, Cleveland, Toledo, Youngstown, Dayton, so many of those kind of jobs are now gone. So I guess I can definitely see why the state wanted to say, please, please, please come here and we'll give you incentives. Yeah, I get that. So one thing we have to be careful even with that is... Columbus is our fastest growing city. It is now our largest city in Ohio. So if we think about even where it went, it didn't go to a place like Lordstown or Youngstown or Akron or Cleveland, right? I can go on. It went to our city who needed the jobs the least, right? So there's an issue there. So now are we going to expect, you know, some of the tends to be guys, some of the guys in Youngstown to drive two hours, to have a job at Intel if they still want to live in their hometown of Youngstown. There are some real issues there with the people who need the jobs and where those people are and where Intel is actually going. Now, there's a reason Intel went to Columbus and why it went to Columbus in Ohio and not, say, Indiana. And that reason is we have a well-educated workforce. So manufacturing does still have the people using their hands. It definitely has those jobs, but less so than it did decades ago. Whenever we put a manufacturing plant because of automation and other trends, it's fewer jobs that come with that factory. And the jobs it does come with has a higher percentage of jobs that require very high levels of skill. So you still have jobs, especially in you know Intel, for making chips that you still have very high skill jobs. So part of why it went to Columbus is you have Ohio State right there and you have a well-educated workforce. And it has a higher share compared to manufacturing of say, you know, 10, 20, 50 years ago higher share who have to be well-educated. Okay, so then when it comes to public policy, we'll kind of start wrapping up now. When it comes to public policy and recommendations in terms of keeping the economy strong here, recognizing we do want to attract jobs, maybe one of the other things, and I know the state is doing this already, but perhaps maybe they should 
do more to put more money into education to make sure that the people who need those jobs actually have the skills and the training so that when the jobs come here, they're qualified to get them. And they're qualified to get them across the state, not just, let's say, in Columbus or Cleveland. Absolutely. I would argue that Intel is here, not because of the tax breaks. Other states would have given them tax breaks too. Intel is here because of the investments we have made already in education compared to other places. So if we want to continue to get companies like Intel and other jobs, we need to invest in education from early childhood education all the way up through K-12, high school, job training programs, college, and beyond. We need to make sure we're educating our workforce from as early as we can get in there to whenever people need training or retraining. And that needs to be a fundamental aspect of our economy if Ohio's economy is going to succeed. That was University of Akron Associate Professor of Economics, Amanda Weinstein. And that's it for now. Stay happy and healthy, and we'll see you again next week. That was This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Tune in next week for more tech news on 93.5-1590-WAKR and WAKR.net.